Welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Every Wednesday, we discuss all things dogs, from health and veterinary care to training and behavior science. Follow us and join Good Dog's mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Good Dog Pod. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. I'm Nicole, your breeder community lead here at Good Dog. For any listeners that are new here, thank you so much for joining and welcome for anyone unfamiliar with Good Dog and what we're doing over here. We are on a mission to build a better world for our dogs and the people who love them by advocating for dog breeders, educating the public, and promoting canine health and responsible dog ownership. We're a secure and free online community created just for dog breeders, and we are committed to empowering dog breeders with technology. If you aren't yet a member of our community, we invite you to learn more about our mission and apply to join at gooddog.com forward slash join. As always, you can also find that link in our show notes. For anyone interested, we would absolutely love to have you join our community. So for anyone who doesn't know what breeding dog badges are, in case you're maybe newer to our community, there's something that we came out with, I think about a month ago, and they're a way to get health testing badges awarded to your individual breeding dogs. And we created them really because of community feedback, and they're part of our commitment to transparency and educating your buyers and providing you with the tools to do so. And we think it's really important for every member of our community to add them because it helps you differentiate your program, helps you show off all that you do for your breeding dogs, helps you educate your applicants. So they really have so much purpose, and they really are worth putting in the time and effort to get those tests uploaded, make sure they're all there, and then get your badge, which we've seen so many of our breeders displaying them on their personal Facebook pages, on their personal program websites. I think it's something to be so proud of. So we really hope that everyone's takeaway from today is if you haven't earned these badges yet and you haven't taken the steps to do so, we really encourage you to because they're just really so great. So I will pass things off to the health standards and research team, and I can kick things off with a question. So this came from one of our breeders, and I really like this question because it's so broad, but such a good one. Can you start off by talking about the good, great, and excellent levels at Good Dog a bit more generally, and what does each level reflect? Yeah, so good, great, and excellent is just our designation for entry level, which is good. So that is typically covers the most severe and common or most prevalent condition within a breed. We want to make sure that that is captured in our entry level requirements. The great level, we try to have it in some breeds, it represents the chick if the chick exists or something in that realm where it's a lot of the most common conditions are covered in the great level. Again, the more prevalent, more severe conditions, but it doesn't capture every single test that's out there for that breed. And then when you get to the excellent level, it's really breeders that go way above and beyond. So we like to think of the excellent level is chick plus. So all the chick tests plus a lot of the other tests that are out there and recommended for the breeds. That's sort of the general concept around how we make these levels and what we include in them. The next question is, are full Embark or paw print genetic panels okay to submit? (laughs) Yes, they are okay to submit. The one thing to bear in mind is that when you submit them, many of the tests that are required, we actually name the specific genetic test that's required. They're almost always included in panels. With PPG, 
there are different panels. So if you use the basic read recommended tests, it'll probably be included, but just double check that on the PPG page. Embark, it'll probably be included as well. But you do want to, when you upload the tests, the problem, and we're sorry about this, hopefully we will be able to make modifications to this in the future, but you're going to have to upload your Embark panel to each one of those specific genetic tests that are included in the level. It's just the way the system is set up right now. We need a document attached to each one of those tests to show that there's verifiable information around that. Can I just add one thing, which is just keep in mind what's required for your breed. So a lot of the breed specific panels have like 200 plus diseases that they're looking for genetic variants for. You don't have to upload 200 versions of the same Embark test. In most cases, it's just going to be one or two, maybe a few more. But also keep in mind that even though you are getting results on 200, 300 tests, it doesn't mean that all of those tests are relevant for your breed. So that's why it's really important to get familiar with the health issues in your breed and what our health testing requirements are. Yeah. And then there are some outlier ones. There are some really rare genetic conditions that we do include in the levels that may not be included in some of the commercial facilities, commercial genetic companies. So just make sure. And if you have any questions, you can always reach out and ask us, ask your GDS. They'll be able to find out that information for you. We have a whole spreadsheet where we keep track of where those tests are run so we can point you in the right direction if you have any questions. But for the most part, they should be covered in PPG and Embark's. Awesome. For the next one, someone asked, why does Good Dog require health testing for certain breeds? For example, the Lhasa Opso, when the breed parent club has no required health testing for its members, how does Good Dog assess these tests? Yeah, so we do the same thing across the board for all the breeds. We look at the scientific literature. We look at the publicly available information on OFA, on the genetic testing sites, all of the data that's been generated from all the scientists around, and we try to find out what is the most common and prevalent conditions for certain breeds. For Lhasa Opsas, I don't think we actually have a minimum testing requirement because the breed club doesn't, but if you want a badge, then you're going to have to do the health testing, get a health testing badge, so that's where that comes into play. Awesome. And then do we approve the test if it shows that the dog is just a carrier? It's not really an approving or a passing of any of these tests. What we want to do, it's really modeled sort of after the chick, right? So we just want you to do the test, the recommended test for your breeding dogs, and then make that information publicly available, regardless of what the results are. Because the idea is that we want everybody to understand it's just a tool. We want you to take that information and use it when you're making breeding decisions. So we're not making breeding decisions for breeders. We just want that you are doing that so that you can make more informed decisions and matches around the dogs that you are putting together in your program so that we can breed healthier dogs moving forward. So it's not really about passing or failing. We do have guidance around what is recommended, what the geneticists and the veterinarians recommend for carriers. So reading a carrier to a carrier is not recommended because on average, about 25% of those puppies that are produced are going to be affected or at risk. So we don't want to see that. But reading a carrier to a clear is fine. Breeding, even in some cases, it could be okay to breed an affected or at-risk dog to a clear. It's not optimal because you're producing more carriers, but it may be something that you want to include in your program. Depends on other factors. Like we said, it's just another piece of information to help you make good decisions. Yeah, that's a really helpful distinction to make. So that shouldn't deter anyone from getting their testing done, uploading their testing. So I feel like that was really helpful for everyone to know. 
Last year at our health symposium, we had a couple of great talks that really emphasized kind of the big picture as far as you don't want to make breeding decisions all based on one health condition or one test. You really have to look beyond. So Dr. Anita Oberbauer gave a great talk on genetics and also Dr. Marty Greer's talk went into this in more detail too. It's not like, yeah, the dog is a carrier for one condition. They need to be thrown out of your program. You shouldn't panic, but you may want to work with a veterinary geneticist or genetic counselor who can help you make appropriate decisions for your program and produce puppies that are at least at risk of being affected by some of these conditions. And that's true across the board. It's not just for genetic conditions. It's the same for the phenotypic conditions as well. So if you have a dog that is mildly dysplastic, I would not consider that reason to throw the dog out of your breeding program. You don't want to remove all of that genetic diversity from the gene pool, and you're not going to have perfect dogs. And the more that we have tests available to test for these conditions, the more conditions that are identified, the less likely you're going to have a perfect dog that's going to be clear for everything. So you need to take all of it together and make these informed decisions. And again, it's something that you should talk to, you know, your veterinarian about, like Michael said, there's genetic counselors at all of the big companies. I know Embark, PPG do it and they are happy. It's just part of their service. It's free. So you can call them up and they'll discuss the genetic results and help you out with any decisions. It is complicated because even with the genetic test, whether it's a direct mutation or a linkage or the type of test. If it just means that they're at risk, it becomes very complicated. So I would encourage all of you to seek out that extra information. Awesome. Someone else asked if we've submitted testing verification for our program, so their program level badge when they first joined Good Dog, does it mean that they need to do all of it again? Yeah. So for the badges at the dog level, we do need all of the individual documents for each dog for each test uploaded in order to generate that badge at the dog level. Luckily, we've been around for a few years now. So there are dogs from the very beginning programs that were approved in the very beginning and gave us information that those dogs have been moved out of the breeding program and new dogs have been brought in. And so, yeah, we encourage all of you to go in. You have access to all of this but it's pretty easy to just take those documents and upload them to each dog and then just keep refreshing that, making sure that all that information is available as you have dogs moving in and out of your program. And then on that same topic, how up-to-date does the testing need to be to qualify to get the badge? So I guess it depends on the test. So for genetic testing, you really only have to do it once. So you can do it when the dog is a puppy and upload that test as they're growing up and you're adding upcoming dogs into your program. It depends. So with cardiac and eye certifications, in many instances, many breeds require them annually. If that's the case, then we do ask that you keep them up to date. We're not going to rip the badge off of your dog if it's a week or two out of date or if you're having trouble getting an appointment. We do understand that finding specialists and getting access to specialists has not been easy the last couple of years. And I don't think that that's going to improve markedly in the very near future. So we will take that into consideration. You know, for cardiac and eye certs, I would say if you can't get into a specialist, then I would at least go in, have your veterinarian do an extra thorough cardiac evaluation and eye examination. They're going to be able to identify any big problems and we can just take that into consideration and move on from there. And the only thing I'll mention as well regarding the genetic testing is check in with the companies you utilize every year or so. Sometimes they add additional testing. So if you've got a full panel done, it doesn't happen too often, but new tests just to make sure to check in to see if it relates to you and your breed. All right, everyone, you are listening to the Good Dog Pod. We'll be right back. You invest so much in your dogs. Sleepless nights spent next to a whelping box 
countless visits to the vet, love, hard work, and heart every day. That's why we built Payments on Good Dog to support you and provide your program with the protection you deserve for free. Payments on Good Dog is our secure payment platform that guarantees payments for you and your puppy buyers. Learn more about Payments on Good Dog by following the link in the show notes, whether you're already a member of Good Dog or interested in joining. So this next one is a great question. Can you talk more about genetic testing that is cleared by parentage and how Good Dog recognizes those results, which is very timely. So I'll let you guys take that away. Yeah, so we just actually wrote a policy about this. So we do have some guidance. So cleared by parentage is the idea behind the badges is that all of the information around the testing is verifiable, meaning that there is documentation there and present that any puppy buyer, any member of the public should be able to look at that and understand what level of testing has gone into the litter that's being produced on each of the parent dogs. So cleared by parentage is an interesting one because what we need is that both parents need to have clear, meaning they cannot have a copy of the variant. They can't be carriers. They need to be clear and negative for these variants, for these conditions. Both parents need to be clear and we need to verify parentage for the particular breeding dog. So that's where it gets a little tricky. So we need to have DNA banked to make sure that the tests that you're uploading and claiming are the parents of the dogs actually are the parents of the dogs. So there is a process around this and the information that you need to submit. PPG will do this for you. So Paw Prince Genetics will do this. They need samples from both parent dogs and the dog in question, and they need to run the tests and have cleared both parents in order to give you a certificate that this particular breeding dog is cleared by parentage. OFA has a similar process in place, and that is what we consider cleared by parentage. We need to have that certificate that needs to be registered from a third party. I don't know. Did I miss anything? Michael, you wrote the policy. I would just say, you know, there's a limited number of conditions to which this applies. So this is where there's been basically a causal gene has been identified and it clearly is associated with the condition. There's lots of conditions that are caused by multiple genes or have an interaction between the genetics of the dog and the environment. And so not all conditions apply. So I think it is important to check in. PPG does have a really good guide. Basically, you can go through their website on the Clear by Parentage page and you look up the breed and it will show you which tests are eligible for this certification or clearance. Yeah, so it's very specific. Like Michael said, it's got to be a causal mutation. It's got to be a direct mutation. So we have to know the exact gene that causes it. And it has to be just a very simple autosomal recessive. It can't be a complicated thing at all. We don't allow linkage tests can't be cleared by parentage because those are just areas of the genome that are associated or closely linked to an area that we think might house the gene, the causal mutation. So those cannot be cleared by parentage. And none of the phenotypic tests can be cleared by parentage because they're very complex. So hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, cardiac, eye certs, any of those, you actually have to test the breeding dog themselves. They cannot be cleared by parentage. Awesome. The next question came from a poodle breeder who says, I breed a breed that has some different sizes. Does this affect the information that I need to upload in order to receive the correct badge? Yes, it does. We actually have poodles broken down by all four sizes. So the toy standard and mini that are AKC recognized sizes. And then we also have levels for the Moyen. We have it for Jolos as well. And I'm going to do the same thing for Manchester Terriers. I don't think there's any other breeds 
those are the three grades that we'll have that broken down by. So if you go into and look at the health testing guide, it'll tell you by size. The key to this is that when you put in your parent dogs, you have to remember to select a size for them. Otherwise, it won't know what to do with the information that you put in. So there are actually health tests for each size. And then there is this size selection for the parent dog when you put it in. So you need both of those pieces or you won't get a badge. And then can you talk more about how good dog recognizes prelims as opposed to finals? That question came up from a few breeders. Yeah, so prelims are different than finals. So we recognize finals for OFA, some of the European registries like SB, PenHip will do as finals. There's actually an entire process and a validation around how they score these. And so it's the most robust, it's the most valid, it's the most predictable test. And so that's why we consider those as finals. We do allow prelims at the entry level. So at our good level, if hips or elbows are a requirement, we do allow either prelims or finals. We do not allow, we do not accept just your veterinarian, our DBM, taking an x-ray of hips and elbows and looking at them. Again, it's just because of the differences in the robustness, the quality of that screening process. Prelims are slightly different. So OFA will accept prelims. And so we follow the OFA policy. If the prelim is taken when the dog is over 12 months of age and the dog scores either excellent or good, then we will accept that as a prelim and it needs to be registered with OFA and we need to have that documentation. And again, that's because of the data and the studies that the research that they've done, that that's pretty good. If the dog is over 12 months of age and scores either great or good or an excellent, then it is highly likely that they're going to pass their films, that they're gonna have passing OFA hip and elbows. Well, the elbows have to be clear. Otherwise, you need to retake them when they're over two years of age for OFA or whatever the policy and process is for the other agencies that review these. I think it's like 18 months for BBA and some of the other ones. So basically, you just have to follow the process that's laid out because that's what's been validated. And that is how we look at it. We also have a prelim policy that explains all of this and gives you links to all of that. Awesome. And then the last question we have for your team is my breed's parent club, the German Shepherd requires a temperament test. Are these kinds of tests recognized for the breeding dog badge? Yeah, I think for German Shepherds and I think for Dobermans, there may be one other breed that it's required. But if it's a part of the chick, then we've included it as well. And I think for German Shepherds, it's included at the excellent level. It has to have a temperament test. We prefer that everybody does the temperament test that the club recommends or that is part of the chick. However, we have made exceptions if it's a very similar test, like some of the Schutzen tests, some other temperament tests, we have made exceptions on case-by-case basis to have that count as the badge. Although moving forward, I think I talked to you about this a bit yesterday, Nicole, but I would like to actually have a separate badging system for temperament tests of parent dogs. So we are working on that for future state. I think that sounds very cool. And let us know if you're listening, if that sounds like something cool to you too. Awesome. So I think we're all set with your team. Thank you so much. I think these were super helpful answers to a lot of questions that our breeders have. I just wanted to call out, because as we were talking about all of these testings, 
that we offer so many discounts for all of these companies that Judy just mentioned. So Embark and Pawprint specifically, and these are discounts that you get exclusive to being a good breeder. But if you go to this good breeder discount page and you explore it, you'll see our discounts with Embark, our Pawprint genetic discounts, among others. And then we also have that $100 screening test discount that you can get every year. So just don't forget about those because I think on the topic of health testing, they're super useful and all of those discounts really do add up at the end of the day. So just wanted to call that out so everyone knows about it. So thank you all again for joining us and we'll see you back here next week for our next episode. (laughs) 